Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. We're excited to be joined in the studio by Willie Porter, contemporary American rock musician, singer-songwriter from Mequon, and recently announced going into the Wisconsin Area Music Industry Hall of Fame. Willie, thank you for being with us here in the studio. What an honor, John. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. No, I'm what like fanboy over freak. here, man. Like he's I, been excited all know, day, I'm Willie. He's been out of control. Like, yeah, so in our text chain this morning, Willie is like, and Willie's coming in the studio. I was like, oh my God, what, I gonna, what am I going to wear? Like, <laughs> I know. He just crushed me in the hallway with a song that I've never played for 30 years. Wow. He's like, I'm going to yell for that one. Yeah. yeah like, and I've wow. seen you play it. That's somebody years i've been watching you play That's live it's always a treat thank you for coming back and willie i feel like you're like a soundtrack to my 90s life in chicago wow dog-eared dog-eared dream i hope it was a good era for that you. cd it was wonderful <laughs> but it was just but it was funny to be in chicago and like oh he's from wisconsin like all this mm. great midwestern music and to so many people will recognize you the more we talk about where you've played and what you have going next in song titles, but you've just been such a wonderful fixture of the Milwaukee music scene, but also the Wisconsin music scene. And now, Sunday, you're going to get a wonderful honor. I'm really, truly honored to be uh, welcomed into the Hall of Fame, and um, along with my good buddy Greg Koch and um, a couple other folks. So it's a deep honor and a lot of time in here, but um, so grateful to all the supporters and people in this town and, and obviously in Wisconsin in general. People love you, and they love your music. It's such a competitive industry, and it's a tough industry. Mm. How's it been to be able to make your living doing what you love for so many years and be in the soundtrack to people's lives? Uh, I just I have nothing but gratitude, and it still is remarkable to me, John, every time I step on stage in front of people that there's anybody there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I still uh, I love my job as much as when I, I first started out on the road, and I look forward to many years ahead. Um, so yeah, I have nothing but gratitude. Yes, there's been great hardship. There's difficulties in touring and raising a family. All those things are real, but, um, to get to keep doing it, man, I'm blessed. I know you play a lot of shows and festivals and you tour, you do acoustic, you play with your band, but you've also been on tour with some monster, monster names in the music industry. What were those experiences like? And, and, and who did you have a great time with on the road? I had probably the best time of my life with Jeff Beck. I think getting to watch him play every night, you know, for about 20 different shows was just a remarkable education in being present for the music and also um, just the way that man carried himself in the music that he played was really remarkable to me. Um, Greg Koch, who I mentioned earlier, said to me, you know, it's remarkable. The heaviest cats are as light as a feather. Wow. And it's really true. The same holds true for Martin Barr of Jethro Tull, who I toured with. Um, he was just a sweetheart and um, just an amazing musician to be around. What is very Sting like? Sting is just very, very comfortable in his skin. He really, um, the first time I encountered him, he was backstage meditating. Yeah, he seems very zen. He's very <laughs> zen. Yeah. And um, he asked me at the Riverside to sit in with him the following night in Indianapolis. And wow. I was just... I was bowled over by that. So it, it's just a joy, you know, and, and music is such a universal language that if you're focused and you're trying to be present and communicate, other musicians feel that. And that's really, uh, that creates a great dialogue. So you're on stage with Sting playing some of his catalog? I was playing a part that was sung on the record by James Taylor. 
And um, Sting said, this part is a walk-on part. You don't need to play guitar, but you can have it on if you'd like. And so I just came out and I recited this part. I think the song was called Filler Up and um, from his brand new day record. So just a... Just That's a blast cool. mm-hmm. to walk out and see Manu Kache playing drums, and yeah. it's a very heady experience. Yeah. <laughs> and you must feel like you really belong in this musical community. It's great here in our state, but mm. when you really are working with international musicians, Jeff Beck, one of the most influential guitarists of all time, nods to you and goes, Hey, nice to see you. Let's talk music. Let's talk life. Like mm. It has to be kind of a pinch-you moment, but I hope you certainly feel the confidence of, oh, All right. I am a musician. I do feel that. I, I never take it too seriously, though. I realize that it's um, it's all about what you're doing and, and the presence of it. And to me, getting into the interior of music, it sounds a little heady, but that's what it's really about. It's all about forgetting yourself and actually playing music without a sense of ego or trying to get over. And I think some of the other artists I was lucky enough to work with saw that I was trying to do that. They responded to that in a way. Incoming Whammy Hall of Famer Willie Porter is with us live in the studio. We're going to take a quick break and come back. We're going to continue the conversation, Willie, if you can stick around. and he brought a guitar, too, John. Yeah, he, brought oh a, my God. Brought a guitar. he was tuning it. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. Yes, we need to see this. So quick break. Thank we'll you. be back with more from Willie Porter up next on WTMJ. It is 415. So I, I'm pretty sure it was 2002, roughly. You had uh, your Willie Porter album release. It's got Breathe on it, Paper Airplane, great songs. Thank you. And I, I went to pick it up. It was a Tuesday. Albums were released on Tuesdays. So I went to the exclusive company off Brady Street <laughs> on a Tuesday, and I walk in to get the Willie Porter album. Say it with me. And and you're there playing the, the album. Like, you're just in the aisles <laughs> of the exclusive company. I, know, I was like, I'm, what is going on? Wow. So, shameless. And, and then I called my friend immediately, because he didn't text at that point. I was like, you've got to get down here. You live very close. <laughs> so he came down. We're sitting there. We're just watching you, right? You signed our album. And we walked over to the Nomad to grab a drink. And it's probably 6 o'clock in the evening. And you walked by with your guitar. And we're like, Willie! Right? And you said, hey! And like, you signed our album. That's so cool. And then, no joke, about four hours later, Willie came walking back we were still sitting there drinking beer like Willie <laughs> you guys are having a night surprise you recognized me at that point oh gosh that was so classic right in the aisles of the exclusive company oh that's stranger things story. and that's yeah. how you kind of got your start as a musician and I mean you as like musicians period mm. in the 90s and the 2000s really playing smaller venues and that pop-up exclusive company type show. What was it like getting started at that time? Because I feel like it's evolved now. It has a little bit. I think it's a different it's a different business plan now for new musicians to start out because there aren't the same retail spaces and things to play, of course, and there aren't the same venues. But yeah, I mean, we were absolutely shameless. I mean, I was. We would I would play anywhere, and as soon as I thought that. Somebody in New York, like my record at Atlantic Records, I got in my car and drove out there to see if I could get a showcase. And, you know, I did those things that I was just tireless. And I don't know where I came up with the energy back in the beginning, but um, I'm glad I did it. When did you know you were going to be able to do this for a living? Well, I clerked after school. I clerked with my dad. He was an attorney and I thought I was going to go to law school. And I... I just was horrible. I just couldn't manage the research. I just wasn't good at it. And he just looked at me and he said, I think other careers back in, and, uh, which I thought was a great thing. 
And so, and about the same time, I got an agent who was booking colleges. So I started to sort of pay my rent by playing one or two colleges a month. And then I established residencies in Milwaukee at Sherman Celebrity Club and also in Madison every Sunday night at the Club to Wash. And through those two residencies, I was off and running. That was really what wow. I needed to get going. And to have a regular gig. Yeah. Instead of having to constantly load up the van and drive somewhere else. Absolutely. So that was really, for me, I always looked at it like Milwaukee was the hub of the wheel. And then each new town was a new spoke out to a new town. And you worked that town and you got beat up, but you came back home where people liked you and supported you. And you kept trying to go back to those towns. So Wisconsin, Milwaukee is a great geographical location because you have Minneapolis, Chicago, Madison, and you can go out and hit those mm-hmm. towns on a monthly basis. And um, if you're willing to do the work, the work is there. I, I love how true to your roots you are. You still play Tosa Fest. You still play the, the Strawberry Festival in Cedarburg, right? You, <laughs> right? It, it, you still play Shank Hall, where I saw you last this winter. Absolutely. You know, these are intimate venues. These are festival venues. It might be raining outside. Who knows? But But that's... That's part of your fabric. That absolutely is. And, you know, I married a woman from Menominee Falls, and, and we thought about moving to um, L.A. when I had a record deal with an L.A.-based label. And we just thought, no, let's stay here. This is where we're rooted. This is where our family is. We, know, we love this city. And um, I'm so glad we did. You mentioned a couple of venues. Are there favorite places that you like to play in southeast Wisconsin? I love Shank Hall. I love the Paps Theater. I think the Paps is probably... My favorite room, maybe in the country. Wow, that I've that's played. cool. It's just, it sounds so good in there on stage. The acoustics are so great. And um, so, yeah, those are two of my favorites. I love Shank, though. It's just, it's where we got beat up and all the good stuff happens to you, you know? <laughs> when you say beat up, do you mean other people accosting you or are you just wearing yourself out? Well, it's just when you're playing to a bunch of seatbacks without people in them, you know? That's what I consider that. You know, a friend of mine, John Cruth, said, he said, you know, Will, he's like, you can be in a cover band and you'll play to full houses every weekend. And he's like, you can live in, at home and sleep in your own bed. Or you can play original music and play to empty rooms everywhere. <laughs> so, that's thrilling. That's a that's, great line. That's uh, really how it starts. I, I know you've got your guitar over there. Uh, if I may, can I put in a request? Am I allowed to do this? Oh, it's all right with us. It's up to it's up to it's Willie up to him Porter. whether he I, ag- accepts your request. I, I think the beginning of Moonbeam is probably the favorite intro. It's tough because that and Breathe are just so brilliant. Let's the way you get those songs started. Uh, just the way they start. It's just it's the brilliance of your guitar playing and your voice eventually pops in. But Moonbeam is a just a dynamite song. And as you as you tune, uh, if you don't realize this, the fabulous Willie Porter will be inducted into the Whammy Hall of Fame on Sunday at That's Turner amazing. Hall, which is one of the catalysts to invite him into the studio. Because I think a lot of times when it's Great things are right here in our own backyard. You know, we talk about our pride in Wisconsin, whether it's a landmark or an event. It's like it's also in our talent and our artists and our musicians. So oh, congratulations gosh. early on your induction. You'll be in fine company with Liberace. Oh, I know. Al Jarreau. I know. Al Jarreau. <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool. And Greg Koch, who I just think is maybe the greatest, one of the greatest guitar players ever, certainly from our state, but maybe in the world yeah. when you really sit down with him the gristle man uh, and you realize the depth of his understanding i recorded one christmas tune and i said greg i can't play this chet atkinson can you come down here and and it, i just wanted this kind of a, a descending part and he came in in one take he played the most gorgeous thing wow. and i thought that just 
doesn't happen. You know, All right, so this is uh, Willie Porter going to play us into the break. Congratulations. Thank you for being with us in the studio. It's an honor. Thank this you This is so the great much. Willie Porter. Afternoon News on WTMJ. TikTok has been in the headlines a lot the past year or so. Efforts to ban it certain places. Government agencies have stepped in and said, "Uh uh-uh, no more. Now a state has banned TikTok. ABC's Alex Stone is with us to explain. Good afternoon, Alex. Peter John, yeah, all of Montana is uh, with a bill that was signed into law by the the governor last night uh, saying that come January it will be illegal to use TikTok in all of Montana. This all goes back to that there is a belief that that China could uh, use TikTok to spy on Americans, owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance. Um, The the U.S. wing of ByteDance says that, that China has no access and that the U.S. servers are strictly in the U.S., in, I believe, Oregon and Virginia. Um, But there's still this concern on both sides of the aisle and within the FBI that China could use its influence to get into all of our phones and government phones and to to know what's going on. I mean, it really is a bipartisan uh, concern. Senator Mark Warner, a Democrat from uh, Virginia, putting it this way. Our concern is that uh, it poses both a data collection problem and the potential for TikTok to be used as a propaganda tool for the Communist Party. Now, the thing is, there's no evidence China's doing it. It's mainly that there is a chance they could be, a belief that maybe they are. The FBI has said we probably wouldn't know if they were doing it. Um, but so Montana has decided to uh, to block TikTok. And a couple of things here, one being there is no feasible way a single state is going to enforce a ban like this. A lot of people use VPNs, virtual private networks. You're told to if you go to a hotel or a Starbucks and you're on an open Internet connection, use a VPN to encrypt it or to at least secure your data, and those VPNs will put you somewhere where you are not typically. So it may say that you're in California or in New York when really you're nowhere near either of those states. Uh, So how would they, they do this? If somebody were on a a VPN or using a GPS spoofing app, and even if they did know where you are, then what? Are they going to go in guns drawn on a 15-year-old who opens up TikTok? No. Uh, And then First Amendment lawyers are lining up that they're saying that 
they have a lot of problems with this, and uh, Ken White among them. It's, with all respect to Montana, not necessarily the role of Montana to protect the national security of the United States of America. So, And particularly, this would be a problem if you have a patchwork of uh, 50 different laws across 50 different states purporting to regulate national security in different ways. That doesn't help national security. And they argue telecommunications, that's up to the federal government, that you don't cross state lines and have different cell phone laws in one state compared to the other. 150 million Americans use TikTok, communicate via it. So we'll see. The uh, January 1st is when it goes into place. There are already lawsuits being filed. So there's a very real chance it will get stalled or tossed out completely by the courts before that time. But if it does go into place, uh, users, by the way, would not be fined. App stores would be fined for allowing anybody in Montana to download it. TikTok would be fined for anybody found using it in Montana. But again, how would they know? How would they enforce it? Nobody knows. This is clearly a headline grabber. There's, there's, there's no yeah, way I mean, to in enforce ways it this. Is. I mean, this yeah, is I mean, just an attention grabber. You mentioned the patchwork issue. Is there an appetite or an effort in Washington to do something at the national level? Well, there is. There's been a lot of debate for a very long time over this. A couple of years ago, there was talk about banning TikTok, and there are still many who want to do that. But then there are the First Amendment issues that come into play that there's no proof. There's a lot of people who believe a lot about what China could be doing. There's no proof China is doing anything. So then you get into the, if 150 million Americans are using it, and you're going to shut it down out of worry that the possibility that, that maybe they're doing something. Montana had looked at banning any app that was foreign-owned. That didn't go forward. They're not doing that yet, at least. But there are a lot of people who make money on, on TikTok. That that's how they make their living, social media influencers. Uh, this former University of Montana football player, Adam Botkin, he's among them. Obviously, it hurts uh, just because it's like one of the three main platforms that like I've built a community on. It's the biggest one I've built a community on. But as a content creator, you kind of always have to adapt. You always have to go with what you know, what you can do and what you're allowed to do. So at the end of the day, I'm going to adapt to what I have to do, but it definitely does hurt you. And look, he's in Montana, so if he's creating content in Montana, clearly they would have a case to say, well, he's illegally using it. But if you're a, a tourist and, and you go in and it's on your phone and you open it up in the hotel room at night, you would be breaking the law. But how would they ever know? Alex, it's interesting that all of this is uh, because of suspicions and allegations, instead of spending some real energy in finding out if it really is true that TikTok has this yeah, the, well, ability. Yeah, the FBI's been trying, um, but they say that we probably wouldn't know if they were doing it, that, that China would uh, make sure that we didn't know they were doing it. There is a very real possibility that they are doing it, but but the FBI has, has said they don't know. And But there is this worry that because of the power that China has over companies in China, that they could order ByteDance to hand over data and what's on their servers and whatnot. The U.S. CEO uh, of ByteDance says that they're completely there is a firewall between the two, that they have no connection other than being owned by China. So there's all this back and forth of can the U.S. government come in and shut down a major company because he, the government or Montana in this state, state government, have suspicions about them, but but no proof. So a lot of arguments. First Amendment, uh, just feasibility of a lot of it, even if it was a U.S. ban with VPNs that, that a lot of people use. Then the the business side of it, uh, a lot going on. But, uh, but Montana is saying, you come into its state as of January 1, no using it. ABC's Alex Stone. Thank you, Alex. You got it. Thanks, guys. 445 at WTMJ. Very interesting story. 
we wanted to share with you. And if you want to weigh in, you can always be part of the conversation. The Old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Uh, so this is the story. Patricia Oliver is the mom of a Parkland shooting victim, Joaquin Oliver. You remember Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. That's where the shooter, Nicholas Cruz, went into the school and he unfortunately shot and killed 14 students and three staff members. 2018. Yeah. So now the mom of one of the victims, that's Patricia Oliver, has written a children's book. And I say that in quotes because it's not meant for children to read, but it looks like a children's book with the animation, with the cover, the verbiage. It's written, it looks like a children's yeah, book. Illustrations and is, rhymes. Yeah, but it's very serious. So the book is called Joaquin's First School Shooting. And basically, it tells the story of Joaquin Oliver, her son, being massacred at the school. It's got a colorful cover, shows a beaming boy with a bunch of daisies in his hand getting off the school bus because Joaquin on that day was actually taking daisies to his girlfriend at the school. And there's holes in the book that are like bullet holes. They're designed to mimic the finger holes that you find in children's book to help kids turn the pages, except in this book they're located on children's bodies. It depicts what happens to Oliver's son, Joaquin, on the day he was killed and shows graphic drawings of dead children on the floor, other kids running panicking through the hallways. And it talks how the mom believes Joaquin would have talked on that day. This is what it says at the end of the book. The end of the day was also my own. This is Joaquin talking. Bled out on the floor. Never got home. Reads the accompanying text next to a drawing showing Joaquin's character fatally gunned down on the floor with the black beanie that the real Joaquin often wore by his side. So here's why she wrote the book. She wants politicians and decision makers to see the book. She hopes that it will have an impact, that it will influence them, that it will lead to discussion and possibly change. I'm fine with the book. God bless her. I can't imagine her pain. This isn't going to change anything. This will not change a single damn thing. This is not about the book. It's not, unfortunately, about her son or the children, which it should be. We're so entrenched and dug in on these issues. It's become a partisan issue, gun control. This book's not going to change anything. Well, she is taking copies of the book and hand-delivering them right, to Congress people. She is. And having that one-on-one interaction, and she's gotten a variety of reactions so far of legislators who have burst into tears as soon as they read the first page so and I have been up, moved. I looked up five of the representatives that she all visited on both sides of the party, mm-hmm. and every one of them went on the record, said, God bless her, my heart breaks, um, this will not make a difference. And it's unfortunate. Um, it's shocking. If you look at the book, the pictures, the graphics, the verbiage... It's shocking, and it's sad, and it's devastating, and my heart breaks for her. This is, I, I can't imagine ever having to deal with this. Will it not work because party lines are so dug in yes. on the issues of gun control, mental health? Exactly. So on. This will have, sadly, zero impact. None. It will have no impact. It just won't. I mean, look at the country we're in. Look at the battles over gun control. Look at if you actually go and research the verbiage on legislation that has come up time and time again after all these after Sandy Hook where little kids were gunned yeah. down. So show me a legislator who changed their mind from how they previously stood after a mass shooting. So that's the problem because it it the book should have an impact, but what should have more of an impact is the event that led to the creation of the book. 
and the event before that, and the event before that, and the three or four before that, and then the one before that. Right? Well, right. And like the one that will happen that next week. Should have had an impact on the situation. Meanwhile, party lines are being drawn at, oh, geez, I can't uh, upset the party here. Right. I got to march. I got to march along. the party. Figure out how to get stuff done that helps affect our community in a positive way. According to Washington Post data, 21 school shootings in America so far this year. 21. That's awful. And I do feel that if you're a parent and you've gone through this devastating tragedy, you're powerless. This is a creative, connective way to try to do something and to get to the Capitol building and talk to people and have that eye-to-eye contact. I hear what you're saying, and Rome wasn't built in a day. But to have that emotional connection, at least make an impact, make an emotional connection. And then I also find it interesting that if you were interested in getting this book for your child, uh, there are two boxes you can click, get one for myself or send one to my state representative. So you can send it directly to them. So I would think that the parents are also hoping a flood of these books wind up getting delivered to representatives and continue to make that impact instead of just that one on one interaction. Yeah, so to me that part's silly. So now we're gonna send we're gonna pay to send books so that my representative has seventeen hundred books sitting in his office. Well nothing else has worked. Marching in the streets, you know, how many yeah. people write to their congressperson? Well, because so, this doesn't work, there is no way I'm spending money to send a book to my representative. You don't know that it doesn't work. You haven't even given it a chance. I've heard from every legislator almost that she talked to who've all said it doesn't work. They said it hasn't changed them. It's not, not gonna yet. impact them. Not yet. And me spending $17 to send a book to my congressperson isn't going to change that. And God bless her. I, I, I look at her picture and I want to cry. No parent should ever have to mm. deal with this. It is absolutely tragic and we've got to figure this out.